Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Damon is secretly wearing sweatpants edition of the Monday check-in. <laughs> I got to do some more shoveling of snow this morning, Greg. Did you? Uh, I did a little bit, although Jessica and I had done a pretty good job of clearing the driveway uh, yesterday afternoon. And it did, I mean, it snowed lightly all, pretty much all afternoon and night, but it, uh, yeah, so... Uh, and I'm actually not wearing sweatpants uh, for this Monday check-in uh, and, and, and didn't just comb my hair, but actually took a shower this morning. Yeah, I did. I did get a shower check-in this morning. So I'm one step ahead of where I was last week at this time. So that's good. Uh, I am Damon Jensen Hyman. I'm one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, joined by Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Pres in Hastings, Nebraska. Where it is um, bitter, bitter, bitter cold. <laughs> is it though? Or... Yes. Yes, it is, Damon. <laughs> or is there just a noticeable absence of heat in the atmosphere? No. When the when the wind chill is double digits in the negative, like minus seventeen, as it is right now, I think that that qualifies as bitter cold. Even though scientifically we know that cold is simply the absence of heat, at the end of the day, we humans. Uh, we observe cold, we experience cold, it's cold. <laughs> Do we really? <laughs> we'll, let, we'll, <laughs> we'll let the philosophers decide. We're, we're like philosopher adjacent. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's, that's an interesting description for, for theology or, or for pastoral theology or biblical theology as we attempt to provide it each week. We're, we're philosopher adjacent. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I find like we're like, we're, we're most things adjacent, actually, in my, in my experience. But at any rate, this is the Monday check-in. And so what we do is we're going to read this, uh, some of the scripture that we're going to use for the upcoming Sunday. Uh, this upcoming Sunday is February 14th, I believe. Uh, we have a little bit of a chat about that scripture. Maybe ask some questions, maybe do some pondering, spend a little bit of time in reflection. And uh, then following that, we switch gears a little bit. We share a little bit about life of First Pres Hastings, what's going on, what uh, folks should be aware of. And and we go and we go from there, and and we also surround this thing uh, with prayer. We do, so, and yeah. So, so I think I think we're probably ready for the opening prayer. Then let's do that. I will uh, I will do that. So let's uh, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, on this very cold morning in Hastings, Nebraska, we reflect on those who may not have warm houses to be in. We reflect on those who may be on the streets or those who may live in trailer courts where there's not good insulation in their trailers and their pipes might be freezing today. Those who may not have money for their utility bills. We reflect on those who may not have a warm winter coat or enough blankets to keep them warm at night. Those are not fun thoughts, God but they are the reality of our brothers and sisters who live in this region with us during these cold snaps. And so you confront us with that reality, God. And we look at that reality and we, we 
offer prayers up to you. We ask, Lord, that you be with those folks who are suffering, but we also recognize that you look back at us and say, do something. You've called us, invited us, Lord, to be your hands and feet in the world. And so on this cold week, remind us of that call. Give us courage to respond and inspire us to do something to help our neighbors out in the midst of this cold. Today, as we read the story of the transfiguration, we will hear your words spoken. This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Lord, give us ears to listen. Help us not just listen, but hear. And help us respond with our lives. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. So the little bit of scripture that we are working with today comes to us from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And um, I tend to remember what comes immediately before this. Maybe you know, and maybe you'll fill us in later on that, Greg. But maybe also you don't. I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. Uh, so this is the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, uh, verses 2 through 9. Uh, it reads something along these lines. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. There it is. Greg, what do you got? Well, um, I do know what's a little bit before this. Uh, we've actually been working through the Gospel of Mark uh, since the start of Epiphany, but we really uh, only got through chapter one. And then we jump here to this transfiguration story in Mark chapter nine. And it's a story that uh, we're encouraged to read every single year. And it's, it's the Sunday before we transition from the season of Epiphany into the season of Lent. Uh, we call it Transfiguration Sunday. In seminary, we called it Shiny Jesus Sunday because Jesus was shiny. His, he was so dazzling, like white, like no bleach could make, right? Um, and uh, so I, I read this this morning in preparation for our Monday check-in, and I thought, okay, God says very directly to the disciples, this is my son, listen to him. So what are we supposed to be listening for? So I backed it up a chapter. I thought, what, what's the last thing that Jesus said before this transfiguration narrative? And then what is said after this transfiguration narrative? So we know what we're supposed to be listening for. Um, and so in chapter eight of the gospel of Mark, we have the feeding of the 4,000. 
And then uh, we have uh, what's I perceive to be a pretty important part of uh, of Jesus' words and ministry. And so let me uh, let me just read this to you. And these are the last words that Jesus says before we get to this transfiguration narrative. Jesus, this is uh, Mark chapter eight, verse thirty-four. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel or the good news will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? So I thought, well, if God is saying to the disciples, listen to Jesus, What's Jesus telling us? So that's uh, that's what Jesus says, and uh, and so then what does that mean for us? And what does this uh, this strange story mean for us? It's interesting. the The birth narrative Christmas is something that has gotten into our common culture, and we celebrate every year. And the resurrection narrative Easter is also something, uh, and, and for good reason, right? These are key points in Jesus' life and ministry. But uh, we're encouraged by the Revised Common Lectionary to read the Transfiguration every year too. And we don't have a transfiguration celebration every February <laughs> to celebrate this, uh, this sort of audacious scene. Um, but here we are, and uh, we, we generally do study the scripture uh, each year, whether or not Damon or I preach on it. It's at least part of the, what's called the lectionary. And so, uh, yeah, what do you think, Damon? Well, it's, it's interesting you, you talk about that there's not, I mean, folks are are familiar with this story for sure i think folks know this story um there's not the big celebration i think in part of that, the in part of that the, the the passage of scripture itself like it, jesus tells the disciples hey be kind of quiet about this like don't <laughs> which is it's interesting. I mean, and Jesus does that fairly frequently. He's been uh you know in chapter one of the gospel of mark he tells um he tells demons not to say anything after he casts them out. Um, and now he's telling the disciples a similar thing, which is weird. And I don't really know what to make of that. There's also this really interesting part of the scripture that contains this very obvious connection and continuation, connection to the past and continuation of it. Right. Um, yep. So, um, Marilyn Solomon, who taught me in Newer Testament, uh, used the phrase, uh, these scriptural echoes, right? And when we read scripture, we need to listen. There's that listening thing again. Uh, for scriptural echoes. And these are more than echoes. These are like shouts. This is like, like Elijah. There's no subtlety in this, right? Yeah, there's no, this is, if you miss this one, then you you weren't paying attention. Um, so these these great prophets of the past show up and are having this conversation and they can show up at least as Elijah because Elijah didn't die um, in, in the older Testament witness. Right. Um, and so you get Elijah and Moses show up and, and these are, these are the, the great prophets of the past that show up and have this conversation with Moses. This is sort of um, to me, sometimes this is like every church has like, you, you constantly hear the names of like at least a few of previous pastors, right? 
every church has a couple, two, three, four, five, however many sort of beloved previous pastors or Sunday school teachers or, you know, members of the choir who, you know, there's these certain sort of beloved pillars of faith that uh, whose names keep getting invoked over and over. And it's, it's sort of like you set up a scene where um, the, the current pastor and these other, these past beloved pastors um, are in the room together talking and, and chatting. And there's this, it lends a certain sort of legitimacy to Jesus, to the message that Jesus is proclaiming. Um, and it, and it sort of shows that Jesus is continuing the work of these previous prophets right? that, that God is con- the work that God was doing through Elijah and through Moses is now also being done through Jesus. And so then that might also give us some sort of clue as to what it is that Jesus is going to, is preaching, right? Um, Moses led the people out of, um, out of slavery in Egypt, like this, this sort of this liberation, this freedom of the oppressed. Uh, so maybe that is part of Jesus proclamation as well there's this there's this really interesting sort of this meeting of the past and the present um in this spot and it happens on a mountain the mountain is that mountain is an echo right (laughs) all the all the cool important things happened on a mountain um in the older testament and so this happens there as well yeah it's funny damon i don't think you know this uh but uh We've occasionally throughout the past couple of years had people come and offer reflections in service on a Sunday. Uh, and uh, Kylie and I have decided to restart that this year. We'll have one reflection a month. Uh, so if any of you are listening and are interested in giving a reflection at church, reach out to me or Kylie. We'd love to get you programmed for that. But uh, this this week, Sunday, February 14th, we're, we're going to have a reflection. Did you know that? Um, yeah, I think maybe you, you mentioned it um, Sunday after worship, but. Okay. But say more. Uh, well, and, and it's, it's precisely what you were talking about. It's connecting the past and the present um, to our faith walk. Uh, and so Kylie and I thought about uh, who are some members of our church who have known the church for a long time through multiple generations of pastors and uh, who haven't yet given a reflection. And, uh, and so it's going to be uh, Georgie Evans is going to share a reflection, but specifically uh, she's written a draft that she has shared with me and Kylie. And it's, it's, it's precisely what you were talking about there. It was like, you know, Dr. Cy Kessler, who's one of those uh, are Elijah or Moses. Um, I don't like this uh, metaphor too much extended too far because it puts me, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, and, and Georgie's going to reflect on this was our past and we built and grew on that past. And now we're here in the present and we're, we're slated to grow into the future. And, and there is a really beautiful um, uh, it's, it's a beautiful idea of, of, of connecting these narratives um, in the same way that the Bible does that. So taking God's chosen people in the older Testament and connecting those to the narrative of, of Jesus and his disciples, and then connecting it. And that's, that's where we come in as pastors is we connect it to, our present lives and our present day and our present walk with Jesus. Right. Uh, and so, yeah. So what, what do we do? We, we, we read these words, we read this interesting story 
and we're given a very clear commandment from God to listen to Jesus, listen to the words of Jesus. Um, you know, in the very first chapter of Mark, the, the opening scene is Jesus' baptism, and we have God speaking from a cloud in that one. And uh, in that one, he speaks directly to Jesus. You are my son, my beloved, and you I am well pleased. So it, in that sense, it's, it's directly to Jesus. In this one, he's speaking to Jesus's followers who are accompanying him on this mountaintop. This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Uh, and so we have, uh, we have these voices of God. And the voice of God does not appear very frequently in the New Testament. Uh, we get the voice of God a little more frequently in the Older Testament, but we don't often get direct messages uh, from this disembodied voice of God, whereas Moses experienced that with God speaking through the burning bush, right? Uh, Elijah had some experiences with the voice of God. Uh, we've Jonah, we studied him a few weeks ago. He, he heard from God directly, but we don't hear from God as directly in the newer Testament, except through Jesus. Uh, and so it's just an interesting, uh, interesting way to connect the older and the newer narratives uh, to see one string uh, of, of thematic narrative going through all of these, which is great. The other thing about this passage, which is interesting, and I don't know how far I'm going to riff on this, is just, um, you know, much of the epiphany, starting with the birth of Jesus and, and Jesus' uh, early life and, and earthly ministry, is, is largely about Jesus' humanity, right? God came to earth as fully human, and we get these stories. And now this is a reminder of, of Jesus' divinity, right? This is a very clear reminder of Jesus' divinity. Uh, this is an otherworldly experience of Jesus where they're up on this mountaintop and he ascends and he's chatting with two long dead prophets. And then this disembodied voice speaks about him. Um, and so it reconnects us with Jesus' divinity as well uh, as we get prepared to walk into the season of Lent together as a church and, and on to the uh, crucifixion and resurrection narrative. And so uh, really good, interesting juxtapositions that sort of set us up to prepare ourselves to move into the season of Lent, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's also this interesting thing um, that we haven't really talked about, but the disciples reaction to this. And uh, let's see, which one is it? Peter. Um, it's, Peter said, well, it's, it's, it's obviously good for us to be here. Uh, so we should we should build some shelters. We should build some houses uh, so that we can just, so we can hang out here longer. Why, why wouldn't we want to? Um, and, and then there's, um, shoot. Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Uh, and then this is interesting. Uh, he did not know what to say for they were terrified. Which is an interesting <laughs> little bit. Like, I don't. I don't even know what. I don't know what. How to respond to that, Peter? I don't know. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, is the he Peter, or is the he Jesus? See, I, thought, I thought it was Jesus. See, I think that he's Peter, and I think this is so typical of Peter that Peter doesn't know what to say, but he opens his mouth anyway, and something comes out. <laughs> let's let's build some shelters, and and you you see this desire to memorialize this incredible divine moment, right? 
uh, let's let's stay on this mountaintop. Let's build some shelters. Let's memorialize what has just happened because this is the epic of our faith. This is the the highest point we've ever achieved, both literally on a mountaintop, but also to see Elijah and Moses. This would be a big deal. But that's not what they're supposed to do, and that's not what we're called to do as Christians either. We we may have a mountaintop experience. We may have an experience of God that is just beautiful and overwhelming, but we're not called to stay there and live there. We're called to come back down from that and, and then listen to Jesus, do the hard work that Jesus is calling us to do. Right. And it's, it's interesting also that the, uh, the shelters, none of the shelters are for him. Right. Or for the other disciples that the shelters are, are for one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. Right. So which to me even heightens the sort of sense of uh, we would like for Moses to stay right here <laughs> so that we can come back to him anytime that we want and, and, and chat or make a request or do whatever the thing is that we're going to do. Like, like this desire to have this thing pinned down and, 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 solidified and look this is where it is this is where it's going to be every time uh we can come back here anytime that we need or want um and that's just not really how it works um there there is this ephemeral quality to to faith and to these experiences that it's church every sunday is a different experience yeah every time uh, and we don't sing the same songs every Sunday and we don't have the same prayers every Sunday. They're, they're generally in line with one another from one week to the next. Um, but, but you can't really pin it, pin it down and, and force it to be in a, in a spot, in a way, in a thing. Um, so it's, it's interesting to me that that they want, they want those figures of faith to stay right there. Um, they, I don't know, they'll sleep under a tree or something. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, one of the, either one of the theologians or worship professors or something has talked about every Sunday is a mini Easter, right? Because every Sunday we, we walk through um, our understanding of faith, which is, uh, you know, sin and grace and forgiveness and Christ's resurrection uh, on our behalf, right? Um, but at the same time, perhaps every Sunday is also a mini transfiguration, right? Each Sunday that we worship, we encounter the divine and risen Christ. Uh, we have a new interaction with the divinity of the Christ through our worship. Um, and it's harder to think about that perhaps in the context of the, the last 10 months when we've been worshiping remotely and not had a chance to, but, but hopefully uh, we are encountering uh, the divine Christ in our worship and, and, and we're doing things that help us do that, whether it's through the music or the prayers or the times of silence, uh, we are hopefully uh, seeking to encounter the, divi the divine Christ. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I took that a step too far. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. You think it'll preach? 
I think it'll preach. I think it'll preach. I, I'm not entirely sure which of these four directions we've defined uh, it'll go, but uh, I'll do a Bible study tomorrow at uh, 12 o'clock with uh, some of my favorite Nebraskans who come to Bible study and help me reflect on this scripture and we'll go from there. That seems entirely reasonable. So, um, <clears throat> Shifting gears a little bit, we'll share a little bit with you about uh, what's going on in the life of First Pres Hastings. Uh, remind you, call your attention again to the five for five, the devotional practices that Kylie has been organizing and um, and spearheading, I suppose, for us. Uh, this week's practice, this is five minutes a day, five days a week, uh, as a way of continuing to grow in our faith, um, even when we continue to be separated and, and isolated as a result of the ongoing pandemic and presence of COVID-19. And uh, this week's practice involves reciting the Lord's Prayer, but uh, reciting it and going through it in, in a way that's probably different than, than what folks are used to and allowing some space in it and some real reflection on what each line of that prayer might mean for us. Uh, folks can find videos to all of those prayer practices on the church's YouTube page. Uh, so folks can go back and take a look at that. This started in Advent. So, so Kylie has been at this for two to at least two months, a little over two months. Two and a half months. Yep. Yeah. So, so there's quite a few of them starting to, starting to build up. And so if folks are curious, they can take a look at that. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're about to embark on the season of Lent. Uh, that will start next Wednesday, February 17th. And uh, we are, as a whole church, going to try to do uh, a Lenten devotion together. Um, some of the stuff will be remote, some of it will be in person, and all of it will be around a guide that uh, Pastor Damon and Kylie have written, a Lenten devotional guide that we have right here. Um, so these will be mailed to every uh, household in our church this week. Uh, they will hopefully be in your mailboxes well before Ash Wednesday. We've got teams coming in to assemble the mailings tomorrow. We were initially going to deliver these, but uh, decided that mail would be better given what the weather forecast has in store for us this week. Um, but we're inviting the whole church to walk together through this. Uh, I showed you that guide. It's that, that, that they may all be one. And it's really a, a guide that focuses on our call to Christian unity. Uh, particularly in the midst of this sort of divided and polarized time we're living in as a nation. Um, this is a guide that re-centers us on the biblical call to live together as the body of Christ. Um, and what I love about it is they, they use a image of a patchwork quilt. And the beauty of the image of the patchwork quilt is that uh, each square in the patchwork quilt has its own unique identity. Uh, and yet, when it is sewn together into a quilt, it becomes uh, a work of art in itself, but not only that, a useful thing that can help keep us warm on winter days. Uh, so that is where we're headed for the Lenten devotional. Um, as I mentioned, we, in addition to encouraging everyone to read the devotion each day, and it does build upon itself, so we're going to encourage people to stick with it each day of Lent, we will be hosting uh, conversation groups at the church. And we'll be doing that uh, starting uh, the, the Sunday after Ash Wednesday. Uh, there will be one that's hosted at noon on Sunday. 
and it will be both offered via Zoom as well as in person at the church, socially distanced with face masks. There will be one on Tuesday at noon, uh, same thing, both via Zoom and in person. And I think the third is, I think is Thursday morning at like 7 a.m. Uh, for those who want to do it before work. And so you can, you can join one of these conversation groups so that you have additional people to reflect with on this Lenten journey together as we go through this uh, Lenten devotional guide. Uh, is that pretty much, did I cover it, Damon? Yeah, I think so. We should really double check it when that morning one is. <laughs> we probably should, because I've now said it in uh, both from the pulpit and on our broadcast here. So, but it's all good. Um, Neither you or I are leading that one. So we don't really know what it is. Correct. Kylie's the one leading that one. But uh, yeah. So we're still doing a lot of other Christian at the church, even though we are still working primarily remotely. Um, our pre-K through fifth grade is still remote. That's via a video that is sent out every week. Uh, Steph Brader, our director of Christian Ed, produces those videos. Oftentimes it's Sunday school teachers that help uh, with the video in there. And so keep an eye out for those. We sent packets home that accompany the videos as well. For middle school and high school youth, we have restarted a youth group last week. And so uh, Wednesdays from 7 to 8 p.m., uh, masks and social distancing, certainly, but a chance for our youth to come together and to uh, grow in their faith, as well as grow together as a community of faith. And for adults, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Of course, what you're listening to now, we've got a Tuesday uh, noon Bible study, and that Tuesday noon Bible study will convert into the Tuesday Lenten devotional discussion group. I have to let the Bible study know that they're being converted into that uh, for the duration of Lent. Um, and then there's a Wednesday forced discussion. Conversion. What's that? A forced conversion. There we go. <laughs> Careful, man. Um, I didn't do it. <laughs> and then uh, Wednesday, we're, we're doing a book study on the book of Revelation led by our scholar in residence, Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh. And then Sunday mornings, we have a couple of things going on. There's a group called Heirs of Parents. Uh, they just finished a book by Bob Goff called Big Dreams. They're going to take a week off and then starting the following week. Uh, so there's no Heirs of Parents Sunday school this Sunday. Uh, and then starting the following week, the 21st, uh, we're going to start a study of the book of Nehemiah uh, using a book called Visioneering, written by a pastor out of Atlanta named Andy Stanley. And I will be leading that group. So you're welcome to join us for that as well. And then we also have these adult ed forums on Sunday morning, which restart on the 21st. Damon, can you tell us about that? Uh, on the 21st, Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh, our scholar in residence, is going to uh, return, resume leading forums. He's going to lead a six-part series for Lent based on the Isenheim altarpiece. And Isenheim Altarpiece, for those who don't know, has a series of, I think, the paintings. I think I think there are paintings on it, um, depicting different biblical characters, different scenes uh, from Scripture. And so Dan's going to use that as a jumping-off point to, to 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 talk about. So the the beloved disciple. So who is this beloved disciple, and where does he show up in the Scripture, and how has he been? interpreted and thought of uh, and that sort of thing. Um, so it should be really, really interesting. Uh, should work really well for, for the season of Lent. So if folks are curious about that, want to want to hop into those, uh, they can let the church know and we can make sure that they have the link to join in live during the conversation. And of course, we'll record them and post them to YouTube as well. So 
and the season of Lent is is approaching. It approacheth. It begins on Wednesday, February 17th. Uh, while we are continuing to spend, suspend sort of corporate, I suppose, in-person worship, uh, we are going to make ourselves, you and I, available for folks who are looking for the imposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about how that is going to work? Yeah, so we will have our sanctuary unlocked on Ash Wednesday, starting at seven in the morning, and it will be unlocked all day until seven o'clock at night. Um, and so anyone can come by and uh, sit in the sanctuary and pray. We will actually have a liturgy to guide your prayers. Uh, and we'll have some contemplative music playing uh, over the sound system. So if you've been missing coming into the sanctuary and want to come into the sanctuary and pray, uh, you're actually always welcome to do that. But uh, this Ash Wednesday, uh, it'll be unlocked and open. Uh, and then from the hours of 7 to 9 a.m. And then the hours of 11 to 2 p.m. over the lunch break. And then the hours of 5 to 7 p.m. So 7 to 9 a.m., 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. and 5 to 7 p.m., uh, one of your pastors or both of us will be there in the sanctuary. And uh, we will, uh, of course, wearing face masks and doing our best, we will pray with you. Uh, and then we will, uh, we will impose ashes on your forehead if that is something that you want to do as part of your Ash Wednesday tradition. So uh, either Damon or I will be there at those hours. If you're there at hours that are not those hours, you can still come into the sanctuary and pray on Ash Wednesday. In addition to that, we will be uh, putting an Ash Wednesday service onto our church's uh, Facebook page and uh, making that available to everyone starting on Wednesday morning. So you can go online and watch the Ash Wednesday service if you want. You could theoretically even come into the church and pull up the Ash Wednesday service on your phone and sit in the pews and watch the Ash Wednesday service. It's probably only going to run 10 or 15 minutes. It's going to be a shorter service. So you could do that. Come sit in the church, watch it on your phone while you're sitting in the pews, and then have some time of prayer and a time of prayer with one of us and the imposition of ashes, if you would like to do that. Uh, face masks are required, and of course, we will observe social distancing, uh, but that is our plan for Ash Wednesday this year. I think that covers it. I think we got it all. Should all right. we, uh, do you want to close us in prayer, Damon? Yes. Yes, I do. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, thank you for the figures of our own past that have shown us the faith, that have revealed to us your truths, your compassion, your empathy, your love, uh, not only for us, but for the world writ large. Thank you, O oh God, for those who have been our own Elijahs and our own Moseses, Moses I, however that is, oh God. Thank you for those who have come before us, who have taught us the ways of faith. And we pray, oh God, that we may be able to find our own place in that line. That someday in the future, someone might look back upon us and bring our own names to their lips and offer thanks for our witness. Help us, O oh God, to honor the faith that we have been taught. Help us to live the faith as we continue to move through our days. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.